The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Ryan Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Dewald, and we have a little bit of a different show today. Uh, Brian is a little under the weather, so it's just going to be me and one of those solo podcasts that I promised you'd never get again. Yet, here we are. So luckily, we do have a lot to talk about. We are heading into the final eight game stretch for the Blazers. So there really is, you know, a a lot to cover here. And as crazy as it sounds, there's really a lot at stake this last week. I mean, with the Blazers obviously tanking, trying to improve their draft situation. You know, there's a lot to watch here down the stretch. If we're really going to get into a lot of those scenarios here at the end of the show. But before I get to that. I mean, I have to talk about, you know, my personal return to the Moda Center uh, for the first time since the playoffs last year against the Nuggets. Uh, I went back uh, on Monday to watch the Thunder game, uh, part of Blazers Edge Night, which, you know, just such a huge accomplishment for that site, for what Dave Deckard has put together and that entire staff, uh, sending 1,700 kids to the game that night. Um, you know, it was cool. It was cool in the arena. There was actually a lot of people rooting for the Blazers, which is kind of the first thing I want to get into where it was definitely weird to be in the arena rooting for me, at least rooting for a Blazers loss, because obviously I'm fully committed to the tank idea to this team really trying to secure a top four pick. Um, I will say it's drastically different to do that in the arena than it is to do in the comforts of your own home. Um, (laughs) But nonetheless, like I actually really enjoyed it as crazy as that sounds. And I did kind of turn into the heel initially in in the section I was in, but I think by the end, by the time it went to overtime, I think people were really 
starting to get on board and really it was probably the loudest I've cheered in a long time at one of these games, especially a regular season game. Um, but definitely counterintuitive. Um, I, I made a comment on, uh, on Twitter. It's like, it's hard to believe that like Sixers fans kind of had to do that for a half decade during the process, which, you know, someone did comment on, on that tweet and saying, you know, for the Blazers this year, it does seem a little more urgent, which I agree with that. So I think that, maybe adds into it. Whereas if you're the Sixers, you're doing this over and over and over again and really just stockpiling a bunch of picks, but definitely interesting. Uh, a few changes in the Moda center, something I'd seen pointed out. I think Brandon Goldner mentioned it on his Twitter account, but the Blazers have like pyrotechnics pregame. So it was very much like a playoff atmosphere for two teams that are very clearly trying to tank, but you know, a pretty significant, fireworks show you know it was it was just kind of it was just odd you know I I was wondering in the back of my mind if David Stern would be smiling upon that or be absolutely disgusted by by what was going on out there so um, definitely definitely one thing that caught my eye there the other thing that I was kind of watching that you don't really get when you're watching on TV I mean sometimes you get a hint of it on league pass but you get to see how the players who aren't playing are kind of interacting. And so you have Damian Lillard, uh, Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, Joe Ingles in the house, Josh Hart, um, Didi Luaza is also on the bench. And you see how these guys interact with each other, with the coaching staff, uh, how they're taking in the action. And I think the first person who really caught my eye, and it's not because of his massive leg brace uh, as he recovers from uh, ACL surgery, is Joe Ingles, uh, you know, his contract ends at the end of the season. A lot of people just think he's contract fodder. Um, a, a lot of people kind of assume that he might be bought out or, or let go once the Blazers traded for him, because obviously he wasn't going to play this year. Judging just by the body language and how he interacts and, and how engaged he is for a team that is clearly trying to lose. Um I, I think there might be potential for Joe Ingles to have a little bit of a future here in Portland. And it really just kind of, I, I remember in the third quarter, I looked down and he's interacting with a referee about a call that, you know, he may, he may not have agreed with. And it was just, it struck me as someone who was invested already in some of his new teammates um, and the action that's going on on the floor, uh, particularly person I, I've saw him talking to, Frequently is Josh Hart, another newcomer, um, you know, another wing forward type player. So that that was kind of interesting to see those two start to bond. It'd be I know Joe Ingles is not the player he used to be. He he has aged significantly in the last couple of years. He's coming off a, a pretty significant surgery, but I can't help it. I'd love to see you know a little Joe Ingles in Portland out on the floor next year. Maybe they can do something with that contract or, or maybe they can turn that contract into something. So that Joe Ingles, kind of the first person who caught my eye. Uh, the other kind of duo that, that grabbed my attention was Yusuf Nurkic and assistant coach Scott Brooks, who, you know, Scott Brooks, longtime head coach with the Thunder, with the Wizards. Brooks and Nurk were palling around in a lot of the timeouts, a, a lot of the ball stoppages, I don't know if they're talking about what's going on in the crowd or, or if they're talking about, you know, what they see on the floor, but it 
those two were definitely talking, uh, shared a few laughs. And just, again, this is stuff you don't see when you're watching the broadcast. So those were just a couple of the, the, the small things that you don't necessarily pick up that, that definitely caught my attention after being out of the arena for so long. You know, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Hawaii called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. On the floor, Ben McLemore obviously deserves a lot of attention after that game. I mean, yes, it was a clear tank off between the Thunder and the Blazers, but Ben McLemore is very much still an NBA bench player. Um, I've talked about it before on this show, but he has the type of offense that you kind of want in that ninth, tenth man, like break in case, break glass in case of emergency type player where. He can come in, 
he can you know hit three threes in one sequence like you know a couple minute sequence so you know it begs the question of was there at all a ben mclemore trade market uh should they have bought him out so he could have went and played for a team and maybe try to make you know play on a playoff team this year or is he another player that even though his contract's expiring is he someone that the blazers are hopeful that they can bring back next year and you know instead of playing him as a starter uh, maybe have him in a role that he kind of started the year as with the Blazers this year, you know, kind of a deep bench guy come in a little instant offense, someone who can play, you know, if you do want to rest, you know, say Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, someone who can kind of plug and play and is familiar with the system. So Ben McLemore, shout out to him, you know, veteran player uh, playing with a lot of swagger, despite this team, you know, from what it looks like actively trying to lose. I mean, not even for what it looks like. This team is actively trying to lose. Um, and with that in mind, I think that's kind of all I have to say about the game itself. I mean, I think for the rest of the way out, it's more about that result at the end and, and not really the action that's going on there. I think it's so hard to kind of take away specific things with how much turnover there is in this rotation right now. I will say Keon Johnson had a few moments last night where he looked good. He had a few moments where he looked really bad, where he kind of fell asleep on, on an inbounds play where he was playing defense and it led to a breakaway layup um, late in the game. So, you know, mixed bag for, for the rookie that was brought here in the trade with Norman Powell. Um, and then Drew Eubanks, you know, playing on another 10 day contract, Oregon state guy, definitely the fan favorite, uh, you know, he's not your prototypical big man. I don't think he's a starting center in this league. I don't even know if he's your third big. But I think he's your he could be your fourth big man. He could be an injury policy. He's another player like Ben McLemore, like Joe Ingles. I wonder if he is in the plans for the Blazers' future. And if so, you know, what does that role look like? And there's still plenty of time for him to develop and add a little something extra to his game. Or, or just get some of that veteran savvy that could help him as, you know, a backup big man in this league. But definitely can tell that Drew Eubanks is the fan favorite right now. And, you know, these players in these situations kind of get that cult-like status. And I, I think if, you know, I, th- I think if the season was a little longer where they were tanking, like the whole time and Drew Eubanks was on this roster, I think Drew Eubanks would be in that, you know, that cult hero type status, that that little Hall of Fame, the, the J.J. Hickson Hall of Fame, I guess. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of it for me as far as what I've been seeing recently. Now, I do want to circle back since our show, uh, thanks to the Golden Nugget Internet last week, was a little short. But I do want to talk about some some prospects that I saw, you know, playing the tournament, which. I want to preface this, and I don't think I did this well enough at our preview before the tournament was, it's really important not to put too much emphasis into what went on in the tournament. I mean, I think it can strengthen already existing homework you have or or if something really stands out, Um, but it shouldn't be the end-all, be-all of your prospect evaluation. Now, obviously, it's always encouraging when you see players rise to the occasion on a big stage, but it also can inflate a prospect stock we've seen that happen plenty of times and then i think it also you know can maybe 
deflate a, a prospect stock just a little too much if they have you know one bad game or or get exposed a little bit, especially if they get exposed and it's you know maybe an issue that's a correctable problem. Um, so with that in mind, I think the first player I want to talk about is Jabari Smith, Auburn big man, either going to be the first or second pick in this draft. Um, really, his tournament kind of played out how I expected it to. Um, Auburn's guards consistently, you know, did not play well away from Auburn's home home court this year, and it was no different in the tournament. It ended a little more abruptly than I think a lot of people thought, mainly because the University of Miami really entered this tournament determined with a good good game plan, good coaching, and a lot of players that can do a lot of different things. Strong guard play, you know, a perfect recipe for a team to, to pull an early round upset, which is exactly what we saw. So not a lot from Jabari Smith, but I also don't think, you know, after this pre-draft process, I don't think it's going to impact his draft stock very much. At the end of the day, Jabari Smith is still an incredibly athletic player with a lot of length and a lot of touch on offense. And in today's NBA, that is always going to have value and, and, you know, a poor tournament outing. It's not really going to hurt a player and, and, I, I don't expect him to move out of that conversation, um, even with Paulo playing very well. Um, and then naturally, the next player I want to talk about is, is a player that, you know, these kind of the one-two type players in this draft, at least that's what a lot of people think, and myself included, is Gonzaga's big man, Chet Holmgren. Uh, Another kind of early exit from a lot of what people expected Gonzaga to do here. Um, Chet Holmgren had a very mixed bag in this tournament. Like the Georgia State game in the opening round was very close, but Chet Holmgren was dominant in that game as far as protecting the glass um, and did a good job of getting some of the Georgia State, what they had of big men on that team in foul trouble and get them out of that game. Now, foul trouble is an idea we're going to return to very quickly. Um, Chet Holmgren's game against Memphis, you get to see him go against a bona fide NBA center in Jalen Duran. Uh, Jalen Duran found himself in foul trouble in that game. I, I think, yes, Chet Holmgren is very skinny. He, When you look at him, you, it's hard to imagine that he's going to be an NBA center or power forward. But what he really does is get into position well. Yes, he does hit the floor, but he really manages space well, and he puts a lot of pressure on you know, the referees to, to make calls that are tough. And I think you see that when you see a lot of offensive foul calls or, or he gets some shot blocks that are really close, 50-50, and he's really good at managing that space. And that's not luck when it's happening consistently. Like that is good shot blocking instincts. That's the type of stuff that you just can't teach players. That's the type of stuff that, you know, Myers Leonard could never quite pick up on if you, if you look at, you know, Blazers past players. So Chet Holmgren still has a lot of stuff. You just can't teach. He's just got to fill out. He's got to get a little more consistent with his offense, but really, you know, his tournament culminates with this pretty ugly loss against Arkansas. Um, He fouls out early in that game. uh, I think, you know, six, seven minutes left in the second half. Um, But really that Gonzaga game, 
what was exposed in that has kind of been Gonzaga's issue all year. They had one really good true point guard on that team in Nemhard, and Nemhard had a really rough game. He had a hard time managing the pace, and, and through that, had a hard time managing turnovers. And when you have a team built around two star big men and Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, if your one point guard has a bad night, it's really hard to get those guys involved consistently and get them into their rhythm. I mean, so much of Gonzaga's success in their first two victories relied on Drew Timmy getting into a rhythm. They were unable to do that at all against Arkansas's defense and, you know, some suspect playmaking by Andrew Nemhard, who, you know, it's rough to see him go into this draft process on really kind of a, a, a sour note against Arkansas. But again, like I said at the top of this, you don't want to judge too harshly here. Um, Chet Holmgren's absolutely coming into this draft. Um, we'll see what Drew Timmy does. I would assume, I mean, at least if I was in his shoes, which is always dangerous to assume, why not go back to college, become the greatest Gonzaga player ever statistically? And, because I, I just don't see how his game translates to the NBA, you know, outside of being a second round pick. There's a lot of stuff of what can he do defensively in space and can he stretch the floor? And he hasn't really proven that he can do either of those things. And if he gets put in the NBA, NBA teams are really good at forcing you to do to perform in areas of your game that aren't your strongest. And, and that's where I really worry about Drew Timmy's game translating to the NBA. But Again, like Chet Holmgren, just in a few different areas, Drew Timmy has stuff you just can't teach. His feel for the game in the post is like, you know, classic 90s, 80s basketball. Um, it's just it's just not today's game. So I, I don't know necessarily what he does, but I, if I was him, why not go back? You know, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Hawaii called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. You know, he, he's a legend in Spokane, and, and he can further cement that by going back to school. Um, 
the next player I want to talk about is someone I didn't mention in in the pre-draft uh, or the pre-tournament discussion, and I just kind of want to apologize for that because I kind of, you know, I've watched his game a little bit. I have a hard time watching Big Ten basketball, but Jaden Ivey for Purdue, at least in the first two games, uh, was very explosive. Uh, 22 points against Yale, 18 points against Texas. I mean, did exit with a rough outing against St. Peter's, but St. Peter's was just such a team of destiny this year that I don't really hold that loss against him. But he is a dynamic player. What I was really impressed with was not only his own ability to create offense, but he is really good at like a blink of an eye. He is at the top of the arc, then he's in the paint, and he's finding these shooters on the perimeter, which you know, translates perfectly to the NBA. So Jaden Ivey, you know, definitely up my list. Someone who, yes, he's another guard. Yes, he's six foot four. But, you know, if the Blazers find themselves in a position where Jaden Ivey is available and that's the best value, I, I really think the Blazers, especially, I think even with both the picks, if they do have both the picks, which we'll get to later, I, I think you just have to go with best player available. I, I don't think the Blazers should try to address a need for Dame's timeline with either of these draft picks. I think they need to take the player with the most value uh, and the best player on their board. And in a lot of cases, if Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paulo Bonchero are off the board, you know, Jaden Ivey might be it. Um, And I wouldn't be upset if they took him. I know it's not going to be, there's going to be a lot of fans that would probably be upset with that selection, but you have to think of one long-term fit with the Blazers and two, taking a player that's going to generate value down the road. You know, Jaden Ivey's career in that situation might not play out completely with Portland, but if he is a good player, he could potentially become a valuable trade asset. So that's kind of my reasoning. When you hear me talk about the Blazers taking a guard with one of these two picks, it's not that I think, you know, he should be expected to come in and start and play instantly. I mean, he should probably play some bench minutes, but you know, you have to generate value with these picks and you do that by taking the best player available. I firmly believe in that. Um, and then finally, I kind of just want to wrap it up with, with two players that are still active in this tournament, two Duke players that have stood out to me for the majority of the season. One is Paulo Buncharo. Um, just really impressive tournament, especially his last two games. 22 points against Texas Tech, which Texas Tech is a team that is known for just their great defense. And not only did he put up 22 points, but he only had one turnover in that game. And that's, if you've listened to me talk about Paulo before, it's, you know, I'm concerned about some of his discretion as a playmaker. He's really addressed that. I mean, also against Arkansas in the next game, only 16 points, but again, only one turnover in that matchup. And Paulo is a, a player that is touching the ball on almost every half-court set for, for Duke. And it's really impressive for a freshman player in that big of a role who's had some turnover issues throughout this year to really play within himself and, and play very efficiently when the bright lights are on. And then, of course, the other Duke player I want to talk about is A.J. Griffin, another wing player who... You know, it's just such a knockdown shooter in his last two games against Arkansas and Texas Tech, 50% from beyond the arc. And I mean, it's not like he's just taken one or two shots. He's taken, I believe, 10 three-pointers in those two games. So, you know, five of 10 
small sample size just there, but I mean, it really reflects his shooting percentages for the entire year. So 18 points against Kansas just looks like an excellent role player. And again, with him, I think he's a player. If he gets in the right situation, I think he has more to show at the next level. I think he's been really cast as, you know, Paulo's running mate with Duke, similar position. I think if he gets to the next level, gets with the right coaching staff, I think there's a lot more to his potential moving forward. All right. Now that we've talked about some of the players, let, let's talk about where the Blazers are right now. When, you know, what is the state of the tank? What are the realistic expectations of where this team could be drafting on draft night? So naturally, first, we're going to look at the Blazers' own pick. Um, and, you know, obviously it's going to be a lottery pick now. Um, so it will not get conveyed to the Chicago Bulls. So right now, the Blazers are in, have the seventh worst record. So the seventh worst lottery odds of the lottery team, I guess, is how I would put it. 27-48 um, record. The Kings just slightly ahead of them at number six for lottery odds. They're 27 and 49, so they play that extra game. And then you have the Pacers in fifth, which are a little they're, – they're starting to get out of reach when we're talking about only eight games. They have uh, 25 wins, 51 losses. So two wins separate them uh, from the Blazers. Again, a team that's played an extra game. So we'll see if how much that factors in down the stretch. So when you're looking at, at the remaining schedule for these teams – the Blazer schedule is still pretty ridiculous, but it's getting better when you compare it now to where the Kings are, where the Pacers are. So the Blazers remaining games, they hit the Pelicans twice, the Spurs twice, which the Spurs are very much in position to try to win these games now and try to get into the playoffs. You have OKC, which, you know, both these teams tried to tank so hard on Monday uh, that that final matchup is going to be very interesting to see who comes out on top or who comes out with a, a loss in that one. Um, then the Mavericks, and then they finish up the season against the Jazz. The Maverick and the Mavericks and the Jazz should still have a decent amount to play for there as far as playoff positioning and, and games gamesmanship down the stretch. So expect those to be two teams that are, are definitely trying to win. The Kings, you know, this is where I think the Blazers can get around somebody. The Kings have the Rockets twice, the Warriors, the Pelicans, the Clippers, and then they finish up against Phoenix, which Phoenix is so far out in front now with that number one spot. They really shouldn't have anything to play for in that last game of the year. Now, the Kings obviously are actively trying to lose, so I don't know who necessarily comes out on top in that battle, but it's not like they're facing the, you know a mighty – Suns team that's really trying to win. The, the Suns should be resting their players at that point. Um, and then finally, the Pacers, they finish out the year against the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Sixers twice, and then the Nets. So the Pacers, again, I think are getting just a little out of reach here. You know, the, the only game that really jumps out is the Pistons. Uh, but the Pistons have shown that they're a little cagey here down the stretch. They're not afraid to go out and win a game, get some of these young players some confidence. So, you know, I, I can see victories for both the Blazers and the Kings on their remaining schedules. I can, I can see – I don't really see that clear path for the Pacers. I see a lot of losses in the Pacers' future. Um, 
and, and really they're an organization that's really trying to line things up to, to have a good pick here and build around, you know, some of their new pieces that they got at the trade deadline. And, and just for perspective, you know, you know, I'm talking about two spots here, but really the difference between the fifth and the seventh spot is 10, per, 10 percentage points of probability of landing a top four pick. So, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, but really in the grand scheme of things, you, you want to be in the best position possible to land one of those top four picks where you get into the discussion where you're going to have an opportunity to take one of those elite players that I just listed earlier. So, you know, there's still a whole lot to play for down the stretch. And then the, outside of just the Blazers pick, the other pick you're going to want to watch here is the Pelicans pick. And, you know, they had an amazing comeback game against the Lakers. And it really just looks like the momentum is trending for them to make the postseason. And we'll see. I mean, they're not, they're going to have to play in the play in, but, you know, they are, are getting, appear to be getting hot at the right time, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Uh, CJ McCollum has been a big driving force of that. He's played very well in his new home in New Orleans. So just looking at the race for those playoff spots, you have the Pelicans in ninth with a 32 and 43 record, the Lakers in 10th, 31 and 43. So that's a cutoff for the play-in. And then in 11th, you have the Spurs, 31 and 44, which as we outlined earlier, the Spurs have the benefit of playing the Blazers twice down the stretch, a Blazers team that is should lose to really try to one better their own pick, but also get the Spurs past the Pelicans in the playing race, maybe, and really secure that lottery pick. Um, as far as this race goes, as far as these teams meeting each other, the Lakers and the Pelicans play again on Friday. And I think if you're talking about must watch games as a Blazers fan, that might be it. And, and it depends on where you fall in the spectrum. Do you just want to see the Lakers suffer or do you want to secure a draft pick? And I think that'll be a perfect microcosm of that this coming Friday when those two teams meet again. Um, just to be clear and refresh kind of everybody, because I was a little rusty on it too. The playing structure is the ninth and the 10th seed play each other. The ninth seed hosts. The winner of that advances to play the loser of the seven, eight game. And, you know, if they win that, then they make it the winner of the first seven, eight game obviously secures the other playoff spot. So if it were to start today, this is what the matchups would be for the play-in. It'd be the Lakers at the Pelicans for the 9-10 game, and then it would be the Clippers at the Timberwolves for the 7-8 game. If the Pelicans win, you know, they beat the Lakers in that matchup. They're still going to have to go on the road to play either the Timberwolves or the Clippers. Now, if you're looking at the Timberwolves and the Clippers, I think you kind of got to be hoping it's the Clippers, especially with some of the news coming out about Paul George and, and that's a team that's, you know, a little more tested in the playoffs. Paul George looks like he's coming back to play. Looks like he could be playing this week actually. So that could be, you know, if you're looking at a tougher matchup, if you're a Blazers fan, that might be the one you're rooting for. Now, when you're looking at these two picks side by side, there is this discussion kind of generating where what is more important? Is it more important for the Blazers to get the absolute best lottery odds? Or is it more crucial to receive that Pelicans pick this year? 
And, you know, at first, like when I look at it, and I think it's still where I'm at, but I think it's a much closer argument is, you know, what's more important. And I think for me, it's still bettering the odds for your own pick, but really keeping that Pelicans pick is absolutely crucial. And it's not necessarily that you're going to use that pick to draft a player, but you could potentially use that pick to go trade for a player. Now, obviously everybody's talking about Jeremy Grant, but there might be other options open. You never know how the postseason is going to play out. I mean, just look at how bad the relationship with the Sixers and Ben Simmons deteriorated in just one postseason. I mean, there could be another borderline star that, you know, feels slighted in the postseason that suddenly becomes available. If the Blazers have that second pick as ammunition, suddenly, you know, you're looking at a team that could build a package with their financial flexibility. They could build a package with the playoff team with that pick to go and get a player that might be an even better fit than Jeremy Grant, or it might just be Jeremy Grant. Who knows? So when you look at the schedule, I guess if you're rooting for any Blazers win, and I'm not saying this Blazers team can win any games, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing maybe Josh Hart getting back in the action uh, or some of these other players playing a little more. I mean, obviously they've ruled out Yusuf Nurkic for the rest of the year. I believe Anthony Simons has, has joined him as well. And obviously Damian Lillard's not coming back, but maybe you bring Josh Hart back into the fold um, and you really try to make a run at these Pelicans in these two games that you still play. Because if you drop the two games to the Spurs and then you really try to win those Pelicans games, even if you just win one, you know, that could be the difference of you don't even have to worry about the Pelicans being in that play-in game. There's potentially, if the Lakers get their act together, which that's a huge ask, and the Spurs win enough games down the stretch, there's a scenario where the Pelicans aren't even in the play-in. I mean, that that would be kind of the best case scenario on that end, but obviously in that situation, any hope of the Blazers catching the Pacers with for their own pick in the lottery goes out the window. So it really, I don't know, there's just so much at stake in these last eight games, even though we're very much in a tanking season. But I, uh, I think there is just so much to watch for. And it really is exciting with only eight games left. Um, as crazy as that sounds after such a, kind of a, just a terrible up and down season. So mainly down, I don't, not a whole lot of ups, but um, yeah. So everybody buckle up. We're almost to the finish line. We'll, we'll have another show before the end of the season, but you know, a lot to watch for. I hope some of this was informative. And if you're at the game, which will be tonight, probably when you're listening to this. So Wednesday against the Pelicans, uh, follow us on Twitter at church of Roy pod or, or myself at Steve D hoops. Uh, give me a shout out. I'll be at the game. Uh, I'd love to meet some of our listeners. So uh, please reach out. We appreciate everybody's support. Thank you for sitting through another solo podcast. Hopefully it, it wasn't too painful. So we will talk to you next week. Brian, I hope you get feeling better, man. Uh, I feel for you, bud. So, all right, everybody. Go Blazers or not go Blazers. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week.